Okay, Google, what's the best lawn fertilizer for fall? On the website thisoldhouse.com, they say, while this fall lawn fertilizer dose is important, an application at the end of October or early November is essential. At that time, apply a fertilizer with a formula of 132512. Wow, that was pretty easy information to come by now. I got that, by the way, off my little Google whatever it is. It's this little little Google box that's in the studio with me. I can ask it questions and it answers them. I can ask this thing just about any question and it answers. Now in the other room, I've got uh, an Alexa that, or I got a big Alexa that I play music on. I just ask her to play albums for me and she does, or I'll ask her to play a song or I'll ask her what the weather is. I'll ask her all kinds of stuff. I can ask her gardening questions and she answers them. I got another one in my bedroom that I listen to podcasts with, you know, when I go to bed at night. Oh, hi everyone. I'm Michael Kroos. You're listening to Ask the Garden Geek. What I wanted to tell you is that in 1985, a friend of mine by the name of Stan DeFritis hosted a local gardening show in the Tampa Bay area called Ask Mr. Green Thumb. And one day he decided he wanted to go out of town. So he called me up and he said, would you mind filling in for me this coming Saturday? I said, sure. Why the hell not? Uh, I should probably tell you I'd never done anything like that before. And I was, you know, I, but I immediately said, yes, I'll be happy to. He said, okay. Well, the next day, I get a phone call from a guy by the name of Art Deneen. Art Deneen was the program director at the local station WPLP in Pinellas Park, Florida. And he said, you need to come down and learn how to do this. I said, oh, all right. I'll come down now. He says, good, come down now. I was in Tarpon Springs, drove all the way down there. Took me 40 minutes to get there. Walk in and there's Art Deneen. Art Deneen was this sharp, uh, uh, let's just say it this way. He was a sharp radio guy. I'm telling you, he was Mr. Radio. He had worked in every radio station I could think of. And, you know, he traveled all over the country. Typical radio kind of guy. Works in this town for a while, gets blown out, gets another job in this town, blows out. Uh, and now he was the program director of WPLP. He said, all right, there's a guy on the air right now. I knew who was on the air, a guy by the name of David Fowler. David Fowler was a very popular, very powerful talk show host who talked about whatever the hell he wanted to talk about on the radio, and he was grumpy most of the time, which was part of the entertainment value that he provided. Just, you know, he says, I'm going to take you in there while David's doing his show. Now, let me just get ahead of myself a little bit. Not long after I became a professional radio broadcaster, I learned very quickly to never walk into somebody's studio while they're doing a show, and more importantly, never walk into somebody's studio while they're doing a show and drag somebody who nobody knows in with you. That's what Art Dean did with me walking into David Fowler's show right in the middle of a sentence. And David Fowler looks at us and he looks at me and he, you know, he's, I, I could tell he hated me like poison. He wanted bad things to happen to me. And he went to commercial and he said very bad words to Art Deneen. And Art said, this is Michael Gross. He's filling in for Stan DeFridis this weekend. I need you to teach him how to push all the buttons in here. And he looked at him and said, What? And he said, yeah, you heard what I said. Yeah, I just need you to do that. He goes, get the hell out of here. So he leaves, and he leaves me there. I thought that, you know, 
he wanted me to leave too, but you know, I, I, he says, sit down. So I, I sit down. He goes, don't sit over there, you idiot. Sit next to me so I can teach you this. I said, yes, sir. I sat next to David Fowler, a talk show legend, a talk show, just fabulous talk show host. And he says, you see these buttons right there? Yeah, those are the phone lines. You see that computer screen right there? Yeah. He goes, look what it says. Line one, Dorothy is in Seminole, Florida. Line two, Bob is in Dunedin, Florida. Line three, anyway, just going on. He said, when I come back, I'm going to introduce myself, and I'm going to say, and now we're going to talk to Dorothy in Seminole, Florida, and I'm going to push that button, and she's going to be on the air with me until I get tired of her, and then I will tell her goodbye, and I will push the button again, and she'll go away. I said, okay. He says, you got that? I said, yeah, I got that, because you can do this now, right? Yeah. He says, get the hell out of my studio. I said, have a nice day. Out the door I went. I see Artanini. He goes, that was going to take an hour for you to learn. I said, I got it now. Everything's good. Don't worry. Got it. I'm not going back in there. Nah, I'm going back in there. He goes, okay. You, this better work out on Saturday or it's going to be a disaster. Well, Saturday comes, 9 o'clock in the morning. I walk in. On, there's the studio. Whoever was doing the show before me was wrapping up. I'm on the other side of the glass with a guy by the name of Michael Serio, who, as it turns out, is going to be my board operator. Serio looks at me very funny, and he goes, you don't know how to do this. I said, oh, yeah, I do. He said, who taught you? I said, David Fowler. He sunk his head you know, in his hands, and he said bad words. And he said, okay, go on in there. We'll see how this works. He goes, I got a tape back up of a, a DeFridis show that I can roll if you screw it up, and you're probably going to screw it up. I said, I probably am. I walked in there. I sat down. And then all of a sudden, Stan used to start his show with Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles, which, by the way, was against every ASCAP rule or BMI rule in the world. You're not supposed to do that, but he did it anyway. I guess they didn't enforce it in those days. So I hear the music coming up. And uh, it said, and now, ask Mr. Greenthumb with Stan DeFritis. I just sat there and I said, I'm not Stan DeFritis. My name is Michael Kroos. DeFridis is gone. He, he left. I said, he quit. Actually, he didn't quit. He asked me to fill in for him. I'm filling in for him, and I'm taking his job. Yes, he's my friend, but I don't care. I'm taking advantage of him, and I'm taking his job. So heck with you, Stan. And then I just went on and said, the, total, you know, the telephone numbers, if you'd like to call, and there were the numbers that were written on a piece of cardboard right in front of me. I gave out the numbers. By the way, David Fowler didn't even tell me to do that. I figured that out myself. I'm a genius. So I just, you know, the phone lines lit up because Stan had a very popular show. And I just immediately started pushing the buttons and talking to people. And, every, you know, in the first three calls, where's Stan? I said, I told you, I got rid of him. He's in a trunk someplace. I'm taking over. Uh, they didn't find that to be funny. Telephone rings in the main studio at the hotline. I could tell that the hotline was ringing because Serio's grabbing the hotline. And it's Art Deneen on the other line. And he's talking to Serio. And Serio types into the computer, says, Deneen does not want you to say that anymore. Say that you're filling in. So I'm done. You know, I'm taking a call, doing the call, answering the question. Come back. And I said, okay, I don't have DeFridis in a trunk. He's in Crystal River with his family. He's probably listening. He's probably nervous. But, you know, that's where he's at. They're out on a boat. They're doing stuff. I guarantee you that he's listening, though. 
And uh, I said, so that, that's what it is. I'm filling in for DeFritis. Well, you know, the show went fabulous. I had never done it before. And everybody that was there, including the news lady who didn't like me, told me that I was fabulous, okay? She just thought I was fabulous. Serio said, are you sure you've never done this before? I said, yeah, I've never done this before. He goes, you're great. You're wonderful. Deneen calls, uh, calls the hotline when the show's over. He wanted to talk to me. He says, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. He goes, you did fabulous. I said, yeah. He said, you want a job doing a gardening show? I said, no. I said, you know, this is DeFridis' job. He goes, I'm just kidding. He said, but you're going to fill in. Anytime he takes time off, you're filling in if that works for you. I said, that works for me. He goes, okay, that's fabulous. So thus began me doing radio, gardening radio at that. I filled in for DeFridis for about a year and a half. And one day I get a phone call from a guy by the name of Jack Ellery. Jack Ellery had been listening to me filling in for Stan. And there's a story about that, but I'm not going to tell it because I don't want to piss anybody off. But anyway, he had a very hard time getting a hold of me. He did get a hold of me. And he said, Michael, I am the program director for the Sun Radio Network. And I, I knew who he was. And he was a big-time talk show host out of, I believe, New Jersey at one time. And now he was down in Tampa at the Sun Radio Network following a stint at another local radio station. He was now the program director of a big national network. He said, we'd like you to do a gardening show on Saturdays. I said, sure, why not? You know, he said, well, come on over and interview. I said, okay. So I drove over to Tampa and there's the Sun Radio Network. It was owned by a guy by the name of Chuck Carter. And I walked in and, you know, so I'm here to see Jack Ellery. I meet Jack Ellery. He goes, I want you to audition. I said, I'm not going to audition. He goes, you're not going to audition? I said, no, you obviously heard me. He goes, yeah, I hear you filling in for DeFritis all the time. I said, well, then why am I going to audition for you? I'm good at this. You know I'm good at this. You called me, and here we are. And he goes, we'll start on Saturday. He goes, and understand, it's not like local radio. You're going to be talking to a giant national audience. I said, cool. So Saturday, I go rolling in there. Now, understand, I've been filling in for DeFridis for a year and a half. And DeFridis had a very popular show. When I walked in, the phone lines were already lit up. And let me tell you why they were lit up. They were lit up because in those days, in those days, if you wanted to know where a good place in the yard to plant petunias were, you had to, you know, wait until Saturday and call Stan and ask him. I mean, you know, if you had a gardening question, if there was something going on with your lawn, you could wait until Saturday during Stan's show and you could call him and you could ask him. That's the way it was. There was a guy by the name of Jeff Brooks who did a car show on the road again with Jeff Brooks. Jeff was on that station at the same time. He would tell you how to fix your car no matter what. He knew how to fix cars, and he told you how to fix cars. And if you were having a problem with your car and you couldn't afford to go to a mechanic, you waited until Saturday and you called Jeff Brooks. That's the way it was, okay? There was no little box sitting over on my studio that you could ask. There was just people on, on the weekends doing shows. There was a TV repair guy on there that would tell you how to aim your antenna.
I mean, it's just weird. That's that's what it was. So anyway, I figured now I'm with a big national network. There's going to be all kinds of things happening, you know. And he goes, well, he says, I got to tell you, I, I found out when I went in on Saturday, there was a board op. And guess who the board op was? It was Michael Serio. Yeah, Michael Serio from WPLP was now working at the Sun Radio Network just on weekends. And during the week, he was working at WPLP. But on the weekends, he was now working at the Sun Radio Network. I said, why are you working two jobs? He said, because I have a bunch of kids and I don't want my wife to work. So I actually, I work three jobs. I said, oh, okay. So he says, understand, this is not like going to WPLP and getting all these calls. I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, you're going to be on 20 radio stations to start with. Well, I'm sitting there saying, that's 19 more than I am when I fill in for Stan. (laughs) You know, this is going to be great. This is going to be fabulous. And he goes, no. He says, you don't understand. These stations have listeners of about six people each. These stations are so small that you will be amazed. You know, he says, you might not get a call. I said, what? He goes, you got two hours. You might not get a call. So be prepared to talk for two hours. Ugh. Music comes up. They had made a nice little intro for me. And, uh, you know, at that time, the show was called Gardening America with Michael Kroos. And they go, and here's Michael Kroos. And I come on the way I always did when I filled in for DeVritis. And I just started talking about gardening. And I, you know, I said, the toll-free telephone number to reach us coast to coast. You know, they had this all on a, on a piece of cardboard also. Make sure you always say coast to coast. And Harder wanted you to say that it was toll-free, that we were paying for the call. That was a big thing in those days. So I, I said all of that. The toll-free telephone number to reach us is 1-800-whatever-the-phone-number-was. And so I did that, and I'm looking at the little buttons to see, you know, it was actually called a Fenortner, and I was looking at the Fenortner to see if it would twinkle, and it didn't twinkle. I did not. I did two hours. I did two painstakingly long hours of talking about gardening. Just, you know, I I went in there totally unprepared because I figured the lines would be lit up. I could just, you know, bounce off the the callers. I just, no, there was nobody calling. It was just me. And I had to make stuff up to talk about for two hours. I said, man, this is insane. This is absolutely freaking insane. So that was the beginning. And it was a slow build, but not terribly slow, because the next week we had 28 radio stations, and I started getting a call here and there. And then the next week we had 36 radio stations, and I was getting three calls an hour, which was pretty good, you know, for going from none to three. And trust me, I would milk those calls for all they were worth. To make a long story short, by the time it was all done, I was on 260 radio stations with the Sun Radio Network. And I I was doing all kinds of amazing things. When I walked into the studio, the lines were all lit up. Before I walked in, the lines were all lit up with people waiting to talk to me. It was it was just like that. And the next thing you know, I'm meeting all kinds of important people. And important people are meeting me. 
and and I'm becoming friends with very important people in the radio industry, and it was really bizarre. And then the next thing you know, I had an agent. I had a damn agent. And the next thing you know, the agent booked me public appearances. And the next thing you know, I'm off doing public appearances. And and the next thing you know, my head got so goddamn big. I'm sorry. First time I've ever sworn, but here we go. I mean, my head got so goddamn big. It was incredible. I was making the Sun Radio Network a ton of money. And I was doing pretty good myself. You know, I mean, for a Saturday radio show, I was doing pretty damn good myself. And it just went on from there. And I thought it would last forever, but I kind of figured it wouldn't. I don't know why. But the radio network, the Sun Radio Network, was bought out. And I, I, I hate to say this. It was bought out by a company. And uh, what they didn't tell us is that they were Nazis. Yeah, they were, they were literally Nazis who bought the Sun Radio Network. And they immediately got rid of Chuck Carter. And immediately they brought in another couple of hosts that were talking garbage like that. And immediately I was getting very worried. The network was owned by a gentleman by the name of Willis Carto. Willis Carto, some of you might know who he is, but he published a newspaper in Washington, D.C. called The Spotlight. And if you're old, you might have run into a copy of The Spotlight. The Spotlight had every conspiracy theory in the world going on, that it was a one-world government, all this garbage coming on, yeah, and, and that the Holocaust didn't really happen, and all of this crap. And I just, you know, I, I just said, no, nah, man, I can't do this. I, you know, I went to work. I mean, I was making money, okay? But I, I went to work, and I just hated it. And then one day, I got a call from a gentleman who told me he was a big fan of my show and he was working for Chuck Carter. I said, yeah. He goes, Chuck has started a new network called the People's Radio Network. And he would like you to bring your gardening show to the People's Radio Network. We're up in White Springs, Florida. We own a hotel called the Telford Hotel. I said, golly gee, let's do that. So I drove up 214 miles from my house to the historic Telford Hotel, walked in. Ed Shiflett was the guy that I was talking to. And I saw Chuck and Diane Harder and everybody, you know, Wyatt Cox, who I had worked with at the Sun Radio Network, who had left and was now there. Uh, another guy that I met named Mike Azell. And, he, and I said, well, I have to come up here every weekend to do the show. And Harder said, no, no, no. We're going to build a studio in your house. I said, what? He goes, we're going to send a guy by the name of Blinky down to your house. We're going to build a studio. We're going to have this really high-end digital thing installed in your house. And there's another talk show host in Tampa named Paul Gonzalez, who does the show for us during the week. That line also goes to his house. And, you know, you and Paul get got to get to know each other. But this is how this is all going to work. And you, you're going to do the show from home, but it's going to take us about a month to get there. So I would go up every weekend to the historic Telford Hotel where they had a suite for me on the third floor. And I met all of these really cool, I mean, just awesome damn people up there. Just awesome people. And I started off and I said, it's going to be a slow build. It wasn't a slow build. 
it wasn't a slow build at all. As a matter of fact, radio stations that had been carrying my show on the other network were just flying over there. They were flying over there like you would not believe. And immediately, I had a very large audience and even bigger stations. And I was, I was on a station in Tijuana, Mexico, that shot up to Southern California. If you were in Los Angeles, it sounded like I was in the backseat of your car. It's the same radio station that Wolfman Jack had been on years before. And everything went swimmingly. I mean, everything went swimmingly. And we were just kicking ass and taking names. I was having so much fun. Chuck was such a delightful man. And everybody up there was such delightful people. And it was really good. And then the United Auto Workers bought the network from Chuck, saying, we're going to expand the network and make life better for you. And he said, that's wonderful. He told us. I said, well, that's wonderful. And they brought in this guy by the name of Jay Clifford Curley, who is now going to be the new program director. And Jay Clifford Curley immediately fired Chuck. Just like that. Chuck was out of the network again. This all happened again. And I found myself filling in for Chuck during the week. And I thought Jay Clifford Curley was absolutely a, a, I don't know, I didn't like him. I didn't like him at all. But there he was, and there I was, and I was doing radio literally seven days a week because I was filling in for Chuck during the week until they could get somebody to replace him. I was filling in for my good friend Joel Vincent at night because Joel was having a nervous breakdown, having to deal with Cliff Curley. And I, it, it was the whole thing got ugly real, real fast. And Jay Clifford Curley would say things to me all the time. And I remember uh, he would talk to me. I was doing the show from my house, and he would talk to me in my headphones and tell me what I should talk about next. Don't ever... Don't ever do that to me, okay? And they knew about me up at that network. They knew, they knew very well that I have this mental illness. And the mental illness was never tell Michael not to say something because as soon as you tell him not to say something, he will immediately say it on the air. Everybody knew this except Jay Clifford Curley. And I remember filling in for, you know, doing the Chuck show, and I interviewed this guy from the IRS. And I had a very nice talk with him. It was wonderful. Chuck's listeners did not like this guy. And I was, you know, talking to the guy, and I said, what about all these people that travel the country, you know, trying to teach people not to pay taxes, that, you know, it's constitutional. And the guy said, oh, no, that's not the way you do it. You know, most of these people actually file taxes, and there's, you know, anyway, it was an interesting show, I thought. And so the next day, I come in to fill in for Chuck again. There's Jay Clifford Curley in my ear. He said, whatever you do, do not talk about the IRS guy that was on yesterday. Whatever you do, do not talk about that. Music comes on. I come on. I said, hey, I want to talk about our guest yesterday, the guy that used to be the head of the IRS, who is now retired. Let's talk about him. The toll-free telephone number, 1-800. And Curley is having a meltdown. And I, and he's popping into my headphones. And he said, I told you not to talk to and, uh, and I said, And I said on the air, I said, uh, our program director, Jay Clifford Curley, just told me not to talk about this. He needs to talk to the other people there about what happens when you tell me not to talk about something. 
And I just went on and did an, a whole hour talking about this guy. And then there was a guest in the next hour. It, it was, anyway, this whole thing started to turn into a disaster. And they replaced Chuck with somebody who was from Detroit, who was not very good. And the next thing you know, Chuck had regrouped and he started another version of the People's Radio Network, but he called it he called it something else. Uh, they changed the name of the People's Radio Network the, uh, to something air, American air. So they did something to it there. So he took the People's Radio Network and rebirthed it in a nondescript house down the street from the Telford Hotel. And I got a call from a bunch of the people who had left there and gone to work with Chuck, including Ed Shiflett. He said, you want to come? I said, yeah, I want to come. He said, well, we got different equipment. We're going to bring you different equipment. Well, I still had the equipment from the other people, but they were doing things slightly different. So next thing I know, engineers at my house bringing me different equipment, which, you know, I said, okay. And I started doing the show there. And uh, I got to tell you, it was that time that consolidation was happening. Ronald Reagan had passed this thing about consolidation, saying that, you know, in those days, one company could own seven AMs and seven FMs nationwide and no more. Well, with consolidations, any company could own any radio station they wanted. They could own as many as they wanted in each market. So companies like Clear Channel and Cumulus started buying up all the independently owned radio stations for outrageous amounts of money. And these people who own these stations, you know, my, my buddy, Mr. Fernandez at WKXY was offered a million dollars for his radio station that he had had since 1945. He took it. And which I think they ultimately regretted. But, you know, small stations were just being bought off. And the next thing you know, I wasn't on 260 radio stations. And the next thing you know, Chuck was just totally out of gas. I mean, Chuck was just totally out of gas. And he got a job working for a network called Talk America. They took his show over to Talk America. And the rest of us were done. I did the last live broadcast on the People's Radio Network. And I said, okay, now I'm done. A week later, I get a phone call from the program director of Business Talk Radio Network. And he said, hey, how'd you like to bring your gardening show over here? And the next thing you know, my gardening show was over there. But I got to tell you, a lot of the life was gone because stations were dropping like flies. And he says, oh, but that's okay. We just bought Talk America. I said, oh, that's where Chuck works. He goes, yeah, we're going to fire him as soon as we take possession. And they did. They fired Chuck. The minute they took possession, they fired Chuck immediately and brought in Bruce Williams. You remember Bruce Williams? He used to do an all-night talk show or late-night talk show on TalkNet. Well, they brought in Bruce Williams and got rid of Chuck. And it didn't help. Stations were still dropping like flies, dropping like flies. And I worked for them until they sold out to an outfit in Texas. And I had the show with the outfit in Texas, which I really couldn't stand until November when they violated the terms of my contract. And I was able to get out of my contract. So 
started doing national talk radio in 1987 and stopped doing it in 2019. And I've been carrying on the Ask the Garden Geek radio show as a podcast. As many of you know who are listening to this, you know that I've been doing that. And it just came to my realization one day. You know, you notice I haven't done a podcast now in, I don't know, weeks, probably over a month. I'll, I'll have to look. But, you know, it came to my realization that you don't need me anymore. You really don't. Okay, because right now, if something's wrong with your car, you can ask Alexa or, or Google, and they'll give you an answer. You can go on that other thing called the internet, and you can get an answer just like that. You don't have to wait until Saturday. You know, Jeff Brooks, long since gone. Uh, I used to work with another guy that did a home thing, you know, how to fix your sinks. Long since gone. You don't need any of us anymore. You got the Google you got Alexa. You got all of that stuff. So my work here is absolutely through. I'm done. This is the last podcast. You are hearing it. Now, let me just tell you, I have absolutely loved my experience of doing this. I have absolutely loved. I, I've had so many adventures. I've traveled so much. I have met people like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I went up to Bruce Williams' house. He used to live not far from me. And he was a big-ass radio star. And I went and sat in this beautiful home of his up in Newport Ritchie where he had the original Pinocchio from the movie in a glass container in his house and, you know, visited with him, became friends with him. I, I met people everywhere. Uh, I had mentors. I had Sonny Block, big New York Big, big, big New York talk show host as a mentor. I, I had other. Uh, the Sun Radio Network were, were paying all these consultants to come and help me. And, I mean, it was just outrageous. It was really, really good. But now, you don't need me anymore. You don't need to listen to a damn gardening podcast there's a lot of podcasts you can listen to, but you don't need to listen to a gardening podcast. If you want to know when to plant your daffodils and you're in Battle Creek, Michigan, then all you got to do is ask the Google or ask Alexa and they will tell you. I am, And you don't have to wait till Saturday. So I have loved this. This has been a pleasure. I'm not done. I'm not done with podcasting. I'm doing a lot of book publishing right now, and uh, and I'm doing a lot of podcasting instructional things right now, and I'm helping my daughter with her podcast right now. And trust me, my daughter is about 10 times more talented than I am. I, am, I was at her house today helping her, and I am freaking amazed at how good she is. Her podcast is yet to launch, but it's about to launch and and be ready for it. Uh, you know, if you if you go, well, just Google me, and you will find information. I will have another podcast. It will not be about gardening. I'm you know, it'll it'll be about other stuff. But uh, I'm done with this now. I'm as they say, putting a fork in it. I thank you so very much. Notice no music, 
No opening music, no closing music, just me saying goodbye. So for everyone here at Ask the Garden Geek, which is me and my two cats, I'm Michael Kroos. Have a great day.